about to win so big. Tell me, hydraulic money. Yeah. Money coming in. Tell me, what's the program? 25 days of cush. Yeah, get with the program. Show them what they wave, get the program. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. The GTD boys are back in the building. Tales from the Terror Dome. And tonight, we just got a legend. A Bethel High School legend. A Virginia Tech legend. A DBU legend. This man helped build the product we all know and love. His name is Jimmy Williams. He's in the building. How you doing tonight, Jimmy? Man, I'm doing great, man. It's awesome, man. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me. Hey, man. Thanks for being on here today with us. It's not every day that you get a Jim Thorpe finalist and a unanimous first-team All-American on the pod. You had a great man. career, Jimmy. Man, went so fast, you know, to sit back now and think about it now. Like, when y'all say certain things, like, you know, I knew I could play, but, you know what I'm saying, when I hear other people say certain things and bring up the unanimous, because um, I feel like in at Tech in Blacksburg, it's not up there like it should be, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, it's partly my fault, you know what I'm saying? I'm partly to blame for it, but I'm glad that the Caleb Farleys and other guys still coming to Tech and, you know, Becoming first round draft picks, like it's a beautiful thing, you know what I'm saying? To to know, you know, I kind of laid some of the foundation to that. And um, it's, it's, it's wild to sit back and think about it now. Um, because I haven't been thinking about it. My mind been on other type of things. And so I appreciate y'all having me and talking about this. Yes, sir. Tonight you get your flowers. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, so you are from the seven five, right? Where tell the seven people where five, born and raised. Where um, so so it's it's I got two sides of my family. So my mom and them are crabbers, you know what I'm saying? So that's Victoria, Victoria Boulevard, Brightwood. I live off of Lauderdale, so I'm in between Lauderdale and Brightwood off of Victoria. And so I went to Hampton for three years. I lived over there. And then I'm also born and raised out of Aberdeen, which is Granger Court. So that's off of Aberdeen Road. And so I lived on Langston. My grandparents stayed on um, Mycott. And so um, that's Bethel area right there. So um, to graduate from Bethel, my dad went to Bethel. My mom's side of the family of Crabbers to go there. So. I'm kind of well-rounded in Hampton, so I can go to a couple different hoods. Jimmy Williams good anywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of people all over, all through 757. You know, we used to be 804, so it's a lot of love out there to Richmond, Holland Springs, Verina. Um, I, I, got, I got some deep, deep friends, deep brothers 
from those parts and stuff. And then, you know, I got Aaron Rouse and them over there in Virginia Beach. We got some Norfolk boys. Oh, man, we Chesapeake, Portsmouth, D Hall and them, Deep Creek. Man, Western Branch, Vince Hall. I mean, so, yeah, yeah. Just about in the 75. In Virginia, I can go anywhere in Virginia with no problem. No problem whatsoever. So, Jimmy, what got you into football growing up? It was that one game when you was a kid that it didn't matter if I was off of Cheryl Road or if I was, you know what I'm saying, if I was off of uh, Jordan Drive. It was a football. Somebody was playing sandlot tackle. You run from one side of the yard to the other side. So, you know, that's just what it was, you know what I'm saying, especially when it got cold. <laughs> yeah, my dad was actually a Cowboys fan too, so. I probably grew up watching a lot of the same games you did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm a oh, yes. Broncos fan, so I grew up – I played tight end in school, but Shannon Sharp was my guy. I was like, I'm nowhere near as big or good as that man was, obviously, because um, I'm doing this podcast instead of, like, on Fox <laughs> 1 right now. But, you know what I'm saying? But but I knew that that's what I wanted to – that's the type of fire I wanted. I wanted to have fun like they have fun. Um. When did you know that you were one of one, though? Like, when did you know, like, you were an elite football player and you were going to go to the next level, be in college, and do this thing for real? It's a couple games that I can remember, but I would have to say I can go back to my junior year, and I was at Hampton. And so uh, Carlos Campbell, who ended up going to Notre Dame, and Derek Finner, who went to Maryland, and play, um, they were the seniors, and these boys was like transfers, so one was from Kikitan, one was from Fevers, and um, Carlos was really a receiver, but by coming to Hampton, you know, they tried to like make him the, the, the primary player, and so um, he spent a lot more time at quarterback, but this particular scrimmage, he was in this jamboree, and um, man, I kind of lit it up at quarterback, and I could tell that Coach Smith, you know, was in a predicament of, you know, should I let Jimmy, you know, do it or not? And then my um, another game was my senior year, the first game of the season. I mean, I just kind of went crazy because, like, nobody really – people knew I could play defense, but nobody really knew, like, what, what I was capable of doing on offense. And so – Oh um, man, I had like I had like three picks. I ran a punt back. I threw like two. I ran for another two, just like this crazy. And it was against um Western Branch against Vince Hall. And he was, I think he came out like a year after me. So um he was like the junior. And so Vince was pretty good. But um those was the two games. And of course I played more basketball than football. So a lot of people don't know. I was on state in basketball with J.J. Riddick and John Gilchrist. So I've been playing against J.J. since we've been like 10 years old. So I always tell people, um, you know, I got a lot to do with him being Duke's all-time leading scorer because, you know, I mean, if he could put some numbers up on me, he could put some numbers up on anybody. So um, <laughs> it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool thing to tell people because, you know what I'm saying, I mean, to me, J.J., is the, he's the coldest white boy I ever played against in my life. So, 
Yeah, to see him putting putting buckets on people and being dupes all the time, being scored, like I always brag about it because I knew the first time I ever played against him, like I knew, you know, I you know, I just knew, you know what I'm saying, he was he he was gonna be great. I just I I knew it. It wasn't it was no if ands buts about, you know what I'm saying, him and the way he could shoot the ball. You know what I'm saying? It was no, it was no doubt about it. So um I love checking him. I love competing against him. And um he he was a guy that had a lot to do with um, you know, me getting up in the upper echelons and being prepared when I took off to go to college. Definitely. What, what was your game like? Were you outside shooter? Did you like to drive to the rack? <clears throat> Well, to be honest with you, man, I was a defensive man. So, you know okay. what I'm saying? I was more like, I was more like Stacey Ogman. Uh, Bloody boy Kendall, season, I Kendall, tell you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? K- Kendall Gill, cats like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? That was that was my game. I could shoot, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't no pure shooter, you know what I'm saying? I could go past you, you know what I'm saying? I had hops, you know what I'm saying? I could dunk and stuff like that too. But I always like the challenge of taking the best player on the other team you know what I'm saying, taking that challenge. So, like, I remember checking Jared Jack, um, you know, who went to Georgia Tech that played in the NBA for a long time. I remember checking him after the game where he scored, like, 64 points. He was from out of Maryland. Um, I played against a lot of, you know, Amari Stoudemire. We used to beat up on him when he played for Team Florida. He actually came up <laughs> and played up in Richmond um for a team up in Richmond because they couldn't beat us so they tried to go get him you know they bigger they was gonna beat us with him and we still was waxing them I mean we I was, I was my teams was pretty good in basketball from the time we was 11 to about 15 it's probably like two tournaments we lost and we used to play at the tournaments too so like we would play if we was 11 we would play 12 and under tournaments and this is back when it was only one team so you're talking about the best of the best, you know what I'm saying? You ain't talking about, you know, who who parents got money to pay to go here or nothing like that. Like, nah, we talking about one team going across the country, going within the state of Virginia and giving it to cats, you know what I'm saying, all summer long. So um, that right there had a lot to do with me, especially once I moved the corner, you know, being, you know, taking on that challenge. So. You know what I'm saying? People don't understand like the dedication and stuff that it takes, like in the time and the work ethic and watching hips and body movement and studying players. So in basketball, you know, it's more in depth because, you know, it's not that many players, but in football, you know what I'm saying? Depending on what position you're playing and stuff like that, like, you know, you have head to head matchups that, you know, you got to try to win on a consistent basis, you know, throughout a game. So, um, I've been a student of the game for a long time too, you know. So, you know, I could be a little long winded, so y'all got to cut me off. You know, nah, bro, you good. Nah, you good. <laughs> Talk as long as you want. Um, I remember I went I went to a high school called Broadway on the west side of Virginia, um, small town outside of Harrisonburg where Jamie is, and uh, are they played in the holiday tournament when I was in school? I remember Cave Spring played in that, and J.J., I feel like he put up 70, and I hated him ever since. He was so annoying in college, but he was so great. I appreciate him now, but 
I was rooting for Carolina basketball, like I still do, but I could not stand JJ Reddick. But that dude was cold. So <laughs> he was I cold, did. man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he. And the thing about it too is, you talking about, like I said, playing AAU. So uh, John was on our team. I don't know if cats remember Timmy Smith, who ended up going to Middle Tennessee State, but um. He was lead, he used to lead the district in scoring, you know what I'm saying? The peninsula district in scoring left hand cat. Um, you know, JJ was probably, you know, probably the only white boy on the team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, that tell you, that tell you right there too, his likability, his, you know, um, with the times. He used to rap. We used to call him, you know, we used to call him Shady. You know what I'm saying? And um, it, it was a cool time and atmosphere. And I know it was beautiful for him because he was really honing his game and stepped in. So um, I just loved it. I, every opportunity, every practice, every one-on-one, you know, it definitely helped me perfect my craft. And so when it was time for me to take on the college, and see, a lot of people don't know, too, um, I had more basketball scholarships than football. So I chose football because, you know, 53-man roster is easier to make a 15. And um, the basketball players, to me, were kind of soft. So I used to get in a lot of fights and stuff, you know what I'm saying, with teammates in basketball and stuff. It used to be hard for me to, you know, take it easy on them because – if we was going to lose, I wanted to lose, you know, going out and making sure the next opponent knew that it wasn't going to be that easy, you know what I'm saying, going up against me or going up against my team or whatever like that. So, Did Coach Greenberg try to get you to play basketball at Tech? Of course. But, see, this is the thing. Seth Greenberg recruited me when he was at South Florida. So he offered okay. me a full ride at South Florida before he even came to Tech. When he came to Tech, him and Coach Beeman had a conversation. And I'm going to just, you know, set the record straight is Coach Beeman told him basically, like, Jimmy was off limits because he let Brian Randall play. He let uh, Jeff King play. But Coach knew if I would have played, I probably would have left. You know what I'm saying? I would have probably never touched the football field again. So. Um, you know, I used to go in there and beat up on the basketball boys, though. Me, Dwayne Brown, we used to win the intramurals at Virginia Tech every year. Every year, every year I was there on campus, I won it every year, my, me and my team. Aaron Rouse played with me, too. Um, I was definitely a hooper. Uh, Josh Morgan is another hooper playing with me. Um, Justin Harper. But, yeah, we used to get it. And we used to have a lot of North Carolina boys. Um that came and were playing at Tech, and we used to give it to them all the time. So I'm still hooping now. Oh, okay. I bet Dwayne Brown was a nightmare in the post. He was, but he used to like to shoot. You know, oh, so he was a finesse. Because he had a straight-up game. So he liked to square up to the basket. So, of course, you got to shoot the jump shot to make him respect you to be able to be able to drive. But, you know what I'm saying, he used to like to – he was KG. You know what I'm saying? He 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 liked to catch it and face you up, square you up. And then, you know, of course, if he put his back on you, of course, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing you could do with him then. So, but yeah, 
He used to try to take it easy. Team take it easy. If he really wanted to get a bucket, of course, you know what I'm saying? He gonna put his back on you and back you down. <laughs> there ain't nothing you can do. You know what I'm saying? There ain't nothing you can do with him. So man, yeah. I hate it playing with some of the big guys that refused to play down low and just kept wanting to shoot from outside. That used to get me so frustrated. <laughs> uh, I mean, but that's the way the game is, though. People, you know, people don't understand that, you know. The, Darvina Sabonis, when he came over here with that, people wasn't really understanding that. You know what I'm saying? Him and Vladi yeah. Zubox, when they came over here with that, like people wasn't. And know, was like, what is this? Yeah, but now you look at the, you look at it now, you look at that young boy from France. I mean, what you going to be able to do with him? What you going to do? Is that his name? What's it? That yeah, seven, yeah, one, yeah, yep. yeah. He's, he's 75. He told yeah, me my bad. I, I shortchanged yeah. him. Yeah, you can't shortchange that one, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> what were your, who were your top three offers for football and your top three offers for basketball? <sighs> so of course, um, NC State. A lot of crabbers was known. Cat Barber was like one of the last ones to go from NC State. So NC State, I had Georgetown. I had a lot Syracuse. So it's funny because like. I would have been in the class before Mello. And so a lot of my football offers end up getting basketball offers too. So like Syracuse was a duel, Penn State was a duel. Um, but as far as football, um, I thought about going to West Virginia because Pac-Man was up there and Chris Henry was there. Ew, you I'm know kidding. what I'm saying? Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, Chris Henry, though. Rest in peace. People don't even know. People have no idea of how cold that boy was. The boy was a problem. And then you think about it, like I said, like the reason why he was a problem because he's going against Pac-Man every day in practice. So you ain't going to have no choice. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? You're not even going to have no choice. But yeah, them boys up there, they was begging for me to come up there. Um... Yeah, it was just yeah. It was it was a beautiful vibe too because a lot of us was swaying between UVA and Virginia Tech. So for all the boys that went to UVA, you know what I'm saying, they could have very easily been up there at tech with us. And it was it was wild because well, well they, they made their own choice. Uh, I'm playing. <laughs> you know, I got a lot of love for UVA. You know what I'm saying? My you know, my my big bro, um Marcus Higgins, you know what I'm saying? Shout out Biscuit. I played against him there. Shout out the hands. You know what I'm saying? Biscuit, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And um, Big E, Elton Brown. Both Elton Browns went, you know what I'm saying? I played with the other Elton Brown that played basketball, but I played with Big E, the other Elton Brown, at um, Hampton when he left Heritage and came over to Hampton. So, you know. They was always tugging on me to come there, no matter what. Going to Blacksburg, anytime I went to Blacksburg, anytime I was leaving Blacksburg, I stopped in Charlottesville every time. You know what I'm saying? When I just recently went up there, I did the same thing. I stopped and I seen, I had to go see this kid. So, um, 64, you know, me and 64 always gonna have a thing. You know what I'm saying? Always, so. It's a lot of love out there in Charlottesville. You know what I'm saying? I've won a lot of tournaments in Charlottesville. I've been in Charlottesville since I was 11. So, 
Got a lot of love for Charlottesville. So what was the conversation like moving from the safe, the free safety position to corner? Did, were you resistant or were you just like, I'll do whatever? It, it, see, this was the thing. When I came in as a rookie, Coach Whammy Ward, he was always he was always keeping my man-to-man techniques when we were doing one-on-ones and stuff. And so he used to always like make little comments. And the reason why I love playing safety at Tech because it was single high. So we was one of the last teams playing free safety, a true free safety. You know what I'm saying? I used to be like, if we play Miami, I'd be like 20 yards off the ball. Right down the middle of the center, right down the middle of the ball. So, you know, I used to love that, the run sideline, the sideline. But um, it was just one of them things where I had a great offseason. And um, Coach Foster Foster and Coach Ward came up with a scheme. And I was just feeling it because I was like, I could basically just lock down a whole side of the field whether it was run or pass. So this is how it really kind of came about. And for the last two seasons at Tech, which we had the number one defense in the country, you know, um, I basically just, you know, I made it easy for Coach. He could blitz off of it. He could bring zone off of it. He could run man-to-man off of it. And most, most passing teams, the backside receiver, which is the split end is normally the guy. So that's who I would normally check all the time. So um, it just, it's just something that happened. You know what I'm saying? Shouts out to coach Foster, but Foster for that. And um, him and Whammy coming up, you know, with that, with that scheme. And we just ran with it. Who are your roommates when you were at tech, when you first got here? So when I first got to tech, um, Marcus was my roommate. We stayed in Cochran. And when we moved off campus, I stayed in Shawnee Apartments. And my sophomore year, I didn't have no roommates. And then my junior year, um, my little bro Chris Ellis. Of course, I had to. Of course, I had to bring him in. And then Roland Miner, who played corner on the opposite side of me, my own senior year, um, DC Cat. You know what I'm saying? I took a, I took him under the wing. And so I brought him in, and then that's the only roommates I had, though. Shout out the movie, man. That's my that's my guy, actually. The um, movie, yeah. We've been friends for a long time. Yes, probably your senior year. Um, we just talked to Chris Ellis too. He's a really good dude, man. Yeah, we haven't dropped. We're dropping this episode soon. Actually, this is well. Actually, shout out Chris because this is how we're doing this right now. He, this is how we're doing it. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? yeah. Bro, bro, plug me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Get that exclusive. That. <laughs> yeah, little bro, plug me, y'all. Because I don't really be doing this type of stuff. But you know, when when little bro and see quarter DJ Parker, he um linked me with Dwight and stuff. So you know, anything you know, to anything for my brothers and my family, man. So y'all family now. So you know, what I'm saying this is nothing. Hell I expect yeah. to see you at Thanksgiving then. Yeah. <laughs> my mom's going to be looking for you, bro. So, <laughs> so your freshman year, you backed up Willie. And you played a lot of special teams, right? Yep, yep. 
are you glad you cut your teeth on special teams? Like it's a, it's not a flashy job, but I mean, it's playing time. You feel me? So I felt like, I didn't know, like, well, how did you, do you like playing special teams? How much did you learn from Willie? It was a beautiful thing. See, sometimes people don't understand, like, my thing was I wanted to be, I wanted to play as a true. So whatever that took, you know what I'm saying, I was willing to do, you know what I'm saying? I've always been a team player, always will be a team player. And I felt like special teams helped me be able to pick up the speed of the game. And what people don't understand, a lot of the great athletes and quote-unquote superstars of the team, this is how they get their start. So, like, you're going up against the best of the best on special teams. You're talking about the best of the best athletes. So, um, you know, going up against Sean Taylor on punt and punt return teams and stuff like that, like, you know, this is how you, you know, this is how you hone your craft. This is how you become better and get the speed of the game down and stuff. So when I was at Hampton High School, you know, I didn't, you know, of course I wasn't playing right away, you know what I'm saying? And so my thing used to be like trying to make plays on special teams. So when it was time for me to do that in college, like it was nothing new. This is how you make your bones on the team. This is how you, you know, the other players on the team start respecting you and start getting amped and knowing like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Oh, shoot, I got to watch this. Jimmy, you know what I'm saying? Getting ready to run down there. So like, that's the mindset that I had. That's, you know, the mindset that a lot of the players like uh, Raya Whitaker and Willie Powell, you know, these were the guys that was Garnell Wiles. These were the guys that was teaching me my, you know what I'm saying, my freshman year. And so um, just watching, you know, sometimes it's, it was hard definitely to be watching and just standing there, but watching and watching and watching and seeing the mistakes and seeing, you know, if I had the opportunity, if I would do this, you know, saying how it would look or whatever like that, or him doing this and making this, you know, choice and this decision. Um, it was it was cool because, you know, it's not something that you want to do, but it's something that you have to do in order to be prepared and be ready. So, you know, that's that's how I looked at it. That's, you know, that's how the mindset that I had going into it. And so um, I've been there before. You know, it wasn't my first time being a freshman. You know what I'm saying? I remember this freshman year in high school, it was just like this. So, um, you know, I knew what I needed to do. I knew how I had to um, accept it and, you know, what to take from it. How was it playing under Bud Foster? And do you keep up with him these days? Uh, I talked to Coach Foster. I've talked to him throughout the years. You know what I'm saying? I just texted him um, about a week ago, Mel. And um, it's weird to describe because, you know what I'm saying? He was definitely fiery and, you know, animated and, you know, high energy. But also he could be real cool, calm, and collective. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times when we had to make adjustments and we come in from halftime, you know, he'd be he'd be real calm and settle down and take it easy, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, the buzz that, you know, the cameras and stuff caught a lot of time, thought of this guy as this guy being this one way, but you know. It's weird too, cause like 
I had a couple different riffs with coaches all within like a three or four week span. You know what I'm saying? So you know, so it's kind of crazy. So like, um, I got into it. I forget who he's playing. I don't know if it was Boston College or West Virginia, but it was at home and we was on the sideline and I was playing with Brandon Manning and um, I'll never forget it. Playing free safety my sophomore year, starting at 19 years old, I used to have to make the calls for the passing strength. So, um, and I used to, by making the calls for the passing strength, we're also making the calls for the blitzes that come off of it. And so, you know, that's a lot of responsibility playing free safety when you're so far back trying to relay it to the linebackers and the whips and the rovers and corners, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, to be in control of the defense like that, like, you know, it's a lot of power. And um, I made a check or whatever. I don't know really what happened. I just know Coach Foster was fussing at me on the sideline. And um, so I ate it in the moment. And then Brandon Manning had came over and he was like, oh, duh, that was my fault. And so I kind of like went off, like, well, why, you know, you ain't telling that. Why you ain't stand up? Because he was a 50th senior. You know, yeah. Yeah, I'm a sophomore. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, why you ain't saying that? And, and so Coach Foster coming over, he's like, what you mean? So I'm, I started digging into him. And so we had to have a meeting or whatever. But after that, you know, we had a better understanding. Then the next week, I got into it with Coach Gentry. You know what I'm saying? So then me and his relationship blossomed because then we had an understanding and they kind of knew where I stood from and all of that. So um, to get back on Bud, though, me and Bud, it's, it's, we had a lot of non-conversation, meaning we could just give each other these looks in games or in moments and we knew what each other was thinking and we would be get on the same page that way without even having to communicate so sometimes it's a special thing between players and coaches that even them two can't really express it or explain it to people because it's just a it's a certain type of bond you know what i'm saying that happens when you play under a coach for so long so um I always tell Coach Foster, you know what I'm saying, he helped make J-Dub, you know what I'm saying? He was definitely the icing on the cake with it because, you know, he put me in a position to to control his defenses and be, you know, a focal point to what offenses had to decide, you know what I'm saying, what they weren't going to be able to do. And, you know, when you could take a player like that or a defensive coordinator could take a player and do that, you know, it's special. You know what I'm saying? It's not too many players in college that have that type of effect on a game. And I never really, even in the moment, I never really thought about it until I would watch the game after and I could hear the play-by-play and hear how the announcers was talking and stuff like that, you know, because in the moment as a player, like, you be thinking you be killing it, but, you know, a lot of times, especially like my senior year and stuff like that, you know, a lot of teams didn't even attempt to even, like, I had quarterbacks look at me and just be, like, blowing me kisses and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, 
you know, it's rare that stuff like that happens. And then when you talk to other greats, like when I got to have have a conversation with Deion Sanders, and um, he was telling me like they used to do that to him. You know what I'm saying? And you know, when you talk to guys like him and Charles Woodson and Ron Rod Woodson and them guys are fans of yours and they looking at you like, you know, you're the future, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of a beautiful thing. It, it kind of makes you, you know, realize that you are doing something special out there. So um, in the moment, I never really thought about it like that. And once I had left and Coach Foster was showing me film on other cornerbacks like uh, J. Ron Mosley and stuff like that, and he was telling me, you know, look, you know, these kids watching film on you, they trying to be like you out there. You know what I'm saying? He's like, look at this play. Like, we're, you know, showing me different cowboy blitzes, which is the blitzes that I, that he came up with with me. And now, you know, we see it everywhere. We see teams running all the time now. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just cool. You know, it's, it's a cool thing. It's kind of surreal because, um, so much time has passed now, too. So there's a ancient philosopher. I'm not sure if it's Socrates, Aristotle, or Confucius that uh, said, and I quote, fuck around and find out. <laughs> Matt Falk and Darian Durant did just that with you in the 2004 season, and they found out you really impacted those games. They were, I remember they were very close, and you picked. You picked Matt off, and then you broke up the Durant a Durant pass. I think that that ended up sealing wins for Tech. So you were just playing, making plays all over the place, no matter where where they had you. It was Jimmy's Island, whether it was free safety or corner. Um, that that inaugural ACC season was there. Was there a chip on y'all's shoulder because it was there was a whole bunch of Tech didn't belong here in the ACC type of talk. So I didn't know if that was what fueled y'all, like locker room-wise, like clipboard, clipboard material or what? No, I'm going to tell you what. That 2004 season, we just had a lot of leaders like Vinny Fuller, Eric Green, you know, Brian Randall. We had a lot of players that they was hungry. And we all pretty much that summer stayed up in Blacksburg, everybody stayed, everybody was training, everybody was working. And um, the Carter, Lil Wayne's, uh, what to say, third CD, the Carter that came out. And that was our anthem, you know what I'm saying? And so that whole season, we really just felt like we had something to prove because we was hungry. It really didn't matter about the Big East or the ACC, you know what I'm saying? We just felt like, the year before, um, we just felt like it was our time. You know what I'm saying? The certain guys that was that was there, the 2003 season, you know, we had a bad taste in our mouth. And, um, you know, D. Hall had left. You know, we had a lot of guys leave. And um, we just, we you know, we just thought it was our time. And so, you know, for me, switching over to the position where D. Hall had left, I didn't really think about it in that impactful way, but, you know, um, we should have beat USC. You know, they called a bad pass interference against Josh Hyman, 
that we ended up scoring on that play. People Man. don't forget it, but people forget about that play. People forget about that shit, but they cheated us. You know yeah, what I'm saying? We would have knocked the number one team off in the country. You know what I'm saying? They they cheated us. You know what I'm saying? And um, after that game, we knew we could play. And then our field goal kicker, Pacey, who came in with me, he had missed the um, field goal when we lost to NC State. And after that, you know what I'm saying? After that, we just, we went down to Chapel Hill. You know what I'm saying? All that baby blue. You know what I'm saying? We was... I think it was like undefeated that year on the road too. Cause when we lost to um USC that was neutral and we lost at home against NC State, but we were undefeated that year on the road. And people don't know too, you know, we finished the season in the Sugar Bowl and you know, we almost beat Auburn. So when you think about that year right there, beating we could have beat USC. And if we were to beat Auburn, we would have definitely been national champions. So, you know, after that year, like, we was riding so high, I had to come back. And Marcus was coming back, too. I had to come back. You know what I'm saying? It was only right. Like, you know, I had to, I had to, I had to see what it was going to feel like for us to start, you know, inside the top 10, maybe the top five, and see if we could ride it out, which we almost did. You know, we just... We just lost, we stumbled on Miami, man, which has always been a hard thing for us to do is beat them Florida schools. You know what I'm saying? Something in the water down there, them boys down there, you know what I'm saying? Supernatural athletes, man. To me, they're the, they're the cream of the crop when it comes to athletes. You know what I'm saying? Virginia, you know, we got a lot of superstars a lot of number one picks and stuff like that, baseball, football, basketball, you know what I'm saying? But to a man, the Florida boys, they just, they're just superior athletes, man. And I swear to God, your senior year, 2005, I, I swore on my life we were going to the Natty. Listen, yeah. man, listen, I remember, I remember, and I had told Coach, I was like, he should have let me pick the jersey. I was telling him, like, we should have wore all dark. Because, see, yep. my sophomore year, we wore, when we, when we wore, when we beat Miami, when they came in and they were ranked with Roscoe Parrish and them, we wore all dark. We was blacked out. Black socks, you know what I'm saying? Black cleats. And then when we played right there, we wore white pants. And I remember saying to my teammates, I remember saying to Roland or whoever, like, if they come out in all white with a little bit of green or a little bit of orange, it might not be our night. And they came out with that little bit of little bit of orange on with all white. And you know, it was day night, man. What can I say? I, and it was sad because I got a pick that game, which was like the only game somebody tried me, and they tried to throw a, a corner route to Olsen on the backside, and I ended up picking it. And um, even though we got, I got a pick, my first pick of the year, because somebody tried me, but we lost the game. So, yeah. Wow. That was one hell of a team, though, man. How did it feel when you guys won that first ACC championship in 04? Enter the league and just took the thing by storm. It was kind of expected. You know what I'm saying? That's why we celebrated so hard. 
in Miami because at that time we really felt like you know that we had really earned something and really did something big. Nothing against um nothing against Mike and them winning the big East, you know what I'm saying, and nothing like that, but you know, the ACC, to win the ACC, you know what I'm saying, in our first year, you know what I'm saying. And to be honest with you, we we never talked about it. We never thought about it. It wasn't something that we were shooting for. You know what I'm saying? We was really taking one game at a time, enjoying, you know what I'm saying, the process, putting the work in, you know what I'm saying? Guys really worked that season. And we pretty much stay healthy and stuff too. Like that that has a lot to do with how people see this turn out and stuff too, when key players aren't getting hurt and um everybody's staying healthy, everybody finishing the season. Did you have a favorite spot? Where was your spot in Blacksburg? Where were you going out? To, where were you going to eat? And then where were you going with the fellas? I don't even know what we call it, you know what I'm saying? But um, of course, Tuesday night. You know what I'm saying? Buffalo Wild Wings. You know what I'm saying? Of course. You know what I'm saying? And um, I guess the top of the stairs when I got older, that one used to jump. But it was everywhere, man. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere. I mean, it... I remember when I used to be riding the bus, you know what I'm saying? And the bus would be jumping. You know what I'm saying? I enjoyed the whole process of college. Um, just like when I graduated from high school, I cried when it was my last days in college, you know what I'm saying? I was crying. I was upset. You know what I'm saying? I did not really want to leave. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people was like, oh, you going to the pros and all this. Two days, I held out a camp for the Falcons and I was in Blacksburg. You understand what I'm saying? Like I was in Blacksburg. It was there. I was supposed to be in camp. I was holding out for some extra extra money, and I was in I was in Blacksburg. You know what I'm saying? In my old apartment, chilling. Waiting. It's always been waiting, home. Waiting for the call from the agent. You know what I'm saying? So ready to you know race down 81 and 64. <laughs> you know to, to get on the plane. So um, man, I love Blacksburg. You know what I'm saying? I grew up there. Christiansburg, I can't shout out to Christiansburg. Shouts out to Roanoke. Um, Radford, shouts out to Radford too. Um, man, you know. So JMU. would you say this is home? <laughs> I know that's the slogan now, this is home. I would, you know what I'm saying? Especially after I just, just took a trip up there which had been for a long time. I hadn't been, I hadn't done that ride in a long time. I remember I used to race, we used to race times. You know what I'm saying? I have a record, I have a record of three hours and six minutes from Blacksburg to Hampton, Virginia. You understand what I'm saying? That's the type of records we was, we was setting. Three hours, it's like a, it's like, it's a five hour ride. Oh, we're it's away. A five hour ride. Yeah, it's, it's a five hour, it's a five hour ride, you know what I'm saying, driving a little bit above the speed limit. So that just tell you how fast we used to be going, how reckless as kids we were, and how much God was protecting us. And we had parents that were praying because, you know, we we was wild. 
you know what I'm saying? That O2 class that came in, we was called the Fresh Mob. It was about 40 of us. We was, yeah, we was wild, crazy. My man Gore, uh, Jimmy Martin. Oh man, Fred Lee, uh, Brian McPherson, Kerry Wade, Mike Emo, Robert Parker, uh, Michael Malone. Yo, shout out Robert Darnell. That's my guy. <laughs> DP, Darnell Parker. DP. That's, my, that's my guy, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all had some real dogs, yeah. man. Yeah, we did, man. And everybody, everybody was cool with each other and stuff, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of us still to this day, you know, keep in touch with somebody. You know what I'm saying? Everybody had special relationships with um, a lot of the guys that we came in with. So um, I was just talking to Tim Sandage. You know what I'm saying? A Northern Virginia hey. boy. You know Nova. Yeah. Nova. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? See, Curry Wade and Mike Emo, which I seen Emo when I seen DJ Parker this past summer. I went to Emo's house and DJ came over. So them boys up there in Northern Virginia still too. And so, um, shoot, Emo doing investments and stuff. Emo, Emo messing with the money. He holds, he, he, he putting people's money in good portfolios and everything. So, Shout out, yeah, Mike. Boy do it. Yeah, the boy doing real good. We're gonna have to hit him up for our, our 401ks and our Ross, Dan. We gotta get that, gotta get that set up with the guy. Yeah, I got to. Yo, Mike got Emo, to. when you listen to this, holler at me. I need that Ross. I'm 35. It's time. Sweet. <laughs> so, Jimmy, how was the draft process for you? We, we know how history went. You got drafted by the Falcons in the second round. A nice pick right there. Good pick for the Falcons. How was that process, you know, doing all the drills, talking to all the teams? Oh, man. I think, to be honest with you, I think that's probably, like, I tell people all the time, um, it's probably one of the worst periods in my career to me, just because I felt like the way that they were treating me, what people don't understand is so, okay, I got kicked out in the Jacksonville in the Gator Bowl. I got kicked out the game, but the NCAA ended up sending my mom a letter saying that they shouldn't have kicked me out the game. So it was a little bit of a, I would say, uh, I wouldn't say they, I, I couldn't tell you how they felt about me. I just know that that whole process was just terrible. I remember meeting with the Falcons like three times in Indianapolis, which you're only supposed to meet with the teams once, you know? So for me to go to the Falcons, I always felt a little jaded about that because when they traded their 11th pick away to get John Abraham, they called me on the phone, you know, Mr. Blake, Jim Moore Jr., um, Rich McKay, they called me like, hey, Jimmy, we're gonna do any and everything we can to get you, you know what I'm saying? All I was thinking was when I got the phone was, I was like, well, shoot, if they trade away 11th pick, you know what I'm saying? I'm probably not gonna be there. So 
I ended up taking, I was scheduled to take 18 visits. I only ended up taking 16. So, you know, if you take over 10 visits, it's supposed to be a no-brainer first round draft pick. You know what I'm saying? First brainer, you know what I'm saying? Nothing about it. So they was upset with me because I didn't play in the senior bowl, but I was like, I didn't play like 40-something, you know. I've been averaging like 13, 14 games in college every year. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I, I don't want to do nothing for free no more. And so when I was sitting down talking to these teams, especially when we was in uh, Indianapolis, you know, I was being honest because one, you already know that they know everything. You know that people been spying on you. You know coaches is, is dry snitching. You, you know what I'm saying? You just, you know what I'm saying? I know. And I never was non-authentic about anything that I did. So, you know, when they asked me about choice of drugs or do I drink and all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, I told them the truth. You know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't lying about anything. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have nothing to hide. And my thing was, I didn't want to do anything for free and I wanted to do it my way. So, you know, I didn't want to run the 40 at the combine. I'd rather wait to the pro time of day. You know, um, the coaches at the Falcons were running the drills at the pro time of day. At Tech, they were throwing the ball in the dirt. You know what I'm saying? So that whole experience of the draft and everything, it was terrible. You know what I'm saying? I'm just glad that athletes that come out now, they got a little bit more control. They got a little bit more say-so. You know, guys ain't playing in bowl games no more. Guys that's getting drafted, you know what I'm saying? They get hurt early in the year. They start, you know, shutting it down. What you should do, because it's all business, man. You know what I'm saying? It ain't it shouldn't be no more. Don't get me wrong. You know, athletes should be playing for their teams and doing it for their brothers and stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a lot of players that was doing it for the teams and doing it for universities. And they ain't really get taken care of like they should have on the back end when they got hurt or after their college career was done. So um, I'm definitely a little jaded about that process. But, you know, you live and you learn. So. That's the one thing that I want to do now is pass on that knowledge and that experience to, to other athletes and to other, you know, players that possibly would be in the same situation as me. Man, it's kind of crazy to think, like, like you got drugged through the mud for stuff that, like, is normal practice now. But, uh, yeah, it's it's different now, man. Transfer portal and, and, and NIL, man, it's free agency. You know what I'm saying? So I know, like, the NIL, like, y'all would have made a lot of money. <laughs> like, like, it sounds I mean, like y'all would have had the deal. It's, it's, it's one of them things when you think about it, too, and I think about it in hindsight, and I think about it now, and I'm like, you know what? The love and the respect or whatever that I did get at that time, I'm kind of glad that, that that money and stuff really wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, we ain't know, you know what I'm saying? My, my parents, they ain't from the projects and stuff, but, you know what I'm saying? They, 
we don't come for no money like that. So, you know, who's to say what we would have did with it? I think about, you know, being upset with myself or my agents or, you know, people that might have bad mouthed me or whatever. I think about it and it's just like, you know, yeah, I could have been a Ryan Leaf, you know what I'm saying? I could have, I could have, you know, went, you know, in the top 10 and got X amount of dollars to shoot. You know, my brother could have got killed. You know what I'm saying? I could have been shot and robbed a couple of times. You know what I'm saying? I could have, you know, overdosed. You never know what could have happened being in that situation. So, you know, I'm just blessed and thankful. You know, I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? I didn't get hurt too bad. Um, you know, I'm functioning properly. You know what I'm saying? I didn't owe nobody no whole bunch of money. You know what I'm saying? I have a whole bunch of kids by a whole bunch of different women, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, sometimes, you know, in those moments, you're disappointed and you don't understand why things didn't happen like you wanted to. But then on the other hand, it's like, you know, to still be here, to still be whole, still be sane, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, now that I got kids and stuff too, it's a beautiful thing that, you know, I'm glad everything went the way it went because I wouldn't be here right now. You know what I'm saying? Doing what I'm doing right now. So um, I'm, I'm humbled and definitely grateful. So, Jimmy, you played for the Falcons and then a year with the 49ers. And it looks like there was a little gap before you played uh, Arena League. Were you nursing injuries or trying to nah, stay in the just, NFL? I was, just trying to, I was just trying to get back in. You know what I'm saying? I was doing yeah. a little, doing a little um, you know, jumping through the hoops and stuff, you know what I'm saying, to get back in, which I wasn't too upset and too mad about not getting the opportunity, you know what I'm saying, I had the opportunity and, you know what I'm saying, I blew it, you know what I'm saying, so, you know, I only, you know, I never, you know, blamed anybody else, you know what I'm saying, for what transpired. When I think about it and look back at it now, you know what I'm saying, a lot of things didn't go my way and I just think in hindsight I just think that you know I might have been before my time you know what I'm saying and so like I was just saying that's why now you know talking to kids and talking to athletes that have the opportunity or the mindset of wanting to you know be like me or be better than me or stay you know in the NFL longer whatever like that's that might be what I was meant to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Like the college career, you know what I'm saying? That's, to me, that was the most purest and funnest time of my life. So to me, that's the time that I think about all the time. I don't really think about the pros because once, you know, once I got that first check, it's all a blur. Man, it's all a blur trying to remember, you know, what transpired, different coaches, um, different general managers, you know, um, the NFLPA, you know, Goodell going from, um, going from uh, Upshaw and Paul Tagliable to Goodell and DeMar Smith, you know, so there's two two different regimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, Upshaw and what's the name cared about the players. I feel like they, you know, they took care of us. They, you know, there's no double jeopardy 
you know, now, you know what I'm saying? You could lose your whole career based upon doing something off the field, doing something off the field that, you know, everybody does. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You work so hard to get to this position and you do something that normal people do because everybody makes mistakes and now they're telling you you can't do something you just spent your last 20 years doing. You know, it's kind of hard, you know, to think about. So definitely grateful to have played in the time when I played because um, I feel, I kind of feel bad for athletes and stuff now. You know what I'm saying? They have to worry about so much more now than just playing the game. And you targeting. Know, I mean, you can't lay yeah, the big you hits know? like you used to. <laughs> well, I mean, I always knew the, I always knew the game was going to go to that. You know what I'm saying? I always knew the game was going to go to that. And that's the thing I probably have the most. I feel bad for the, for the defense and stuff now because you don't even have no innovators and nobody. Like, think about it now. Like, nobody's talking about defensive players like that. You know, like, uh, when I was a kid, you was talking about Reggie White. You was talking about Deion Sanders. You was talking about Erlach. And you was talking, you know, you was talking about Ray Lewis. You was talking about defensive player, Steve Atwater, you know what I'm saying, Nitrain Lane, like you, you know what I'm saying, Mean Joe Green, like now nah, you're talking about Aaron Donald, who else you talking about? You ain't really talking about nobody else. You know what I'm saying? Micah Parsons kind of now, he's kind of changing the game a little bit. I mean, yeah, 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 but that's only because he played for the Cowboys, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because he's playing for the Cowboys and they winning. That's, you know, that's why you know him. That's why they're talking about him. But other than that, you know what I'm saying? And that's what the game is missing. You know what I'm saying? It's too offensive now. And what people realize is, when you get to the, listen, when you get to the playoffs, two things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to run the ball. You're going to have to play defense. The teams that can make stops, the teams that can force teams to punt, is the teams that's going to win or the teams that's turning the ball over. So, you know, they can try to make this game offensive. I feel like defensive backs now need to start, instead of trying to position yourself for the player not to score, you need to start positioning yourself to take the ball away. You know what I'm saying? You need to start putting yourself in between the ball and the man. So, you know, until we start getting those techniques and stuff like that taught, and start getting defensive players, you know what I'm saying, or athletes, better athletes, to start choosing the defensive side of the ball instead of the offensive side of the ball. I feel like the game going, you know what I'm saying, the game going. I feel like if it wasn't for college football, the NFL would be on its way down anyway. But, you know, this gambling now, now that you can bet on the game, and now that we got women wearing jerseys and coaching and stuff, you know, which is all good. I mean, I'm, a, I'm all for it, but. So did you enjoy playing in the Arena League? Was that pretty fun? Was that a good time? Yeah, the Arena League was fun. And out here in Spokane, um, this is pretty much after, you know, this is, you know, this is all they have as far as professional football. So, um, you know, this, this, this area is like college town. So it's like a Blacksburg. So. You know, when Gonzaga basketball, when they, they, they went in, you know, that year when I played in 14, I mean, you're talking about 
playing in front of, you know, 15, 18,000 in the arena holding 20, you know, it's a pretty big deal. So um, the fan base was love out here. And um, it was cool. It was a different type of game. And it was fun. So um, it was quick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You had to do a whole lot of running. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, um, but yeah, I was just playing, trying to get some film. And then after I went to New Orleans and, and played down there, I was like, eh, I'm cool. So, you know, it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And um, I had fun, man. You know what I'm saying? That was the one thing that I, you know, out of everything, I had fun, and I kind of pretty much did it my way. So, you know, that's that's the two things that I kind of take away from it. And um, to see, you know, the average corner now, a lot taller, a lot bigger. Um, it's a beautiful thing for me to watch because, you know what I'm saying, I feel like I was one of the first ones doing that. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I was one of the first prototypes. And so now, I like watching them. You know what I'm saying? I like watching Stefan Gilmore. I don't think it's any more Sean Taylors and Palomaros and Ed Reeds out there no more. But, you know, I think it's a couple of different cornerbacks out there. I like the boy from um, Cincinnati that plays for uh, the Jets. I like him. You know what I'm saying? I like how he's talking. Soft like Gardner. His, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like, I like what he made about because that's how you got to be. You know what I'm saying? You got to, you know, sometimes you got to talk yourself into something. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes That's why I like Jalen Ramsey. Jalen was yeah, like, you tell Jaylen, me. You tell me. And I was like, okay. Yeah, That's but he'll crazy. Be, but he'll be, he, be, he be talking, but he will be taking the challenge on like that. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you got to take the challenge on. You know what I'm saying? Like when they was just highlighting when uh, Scotty Miller hit him on the, you know what I'm saying? Like, Sometimes you and see like that's the thing. Like if Dion was talking, you know he was making them plays. You know what I'm saying? If Rod Wilson and Charles Wilson was talking, you know they was making plays. They was, you know, they was Darrell, you know what I'm saying? Even Sherman, you know what I'm saying? Like Sherman gonna step up to the challenge. Yeah, he might not go all across the board, but if you're coming over there to the right side of the field, you know what I'm saying. He got you. And that's the only thing, you know what I'm saying? That's the only thing, which is hard because of the schemes and the way the defense is set up and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you know, I like that the boys be talking. I like that they, you know what I'm saying, that they, you know, they confident because, you know, you're going to give up some plays. That's the thing about playing defensive back. You know what I'm saying? You're going to give up some plays. You know what I'm saying? You even might give up a touchdown or two. It happens, man. You know what I'm saying? It happens. That's the thing. Like, you can't, you're not going to go out there, you know, shit. I'm thinking about, you know, my senior year. The year before, when we played Calvin, he didn't really do much. But my senior year, he had a pretty good game. You know what I'm saying? But we blew them out. But, you know, it's Calvin Johnson, though. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We're talking about Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? To have to go up and line up against somebody like that, and when he beats you, you know what I'm saying. Then he looking at you, and then he like, yo, you know what I'm saying. Like he come up to you after the game, he like, bro, you know what I'm saying. Good game, yo. You know what I'm saying? Because it's respect. You know what I'm saying. And cats like that, you know what I'm saying. You'll never forget checking cats like that. I remember, 
going up against Fitzgerald. You know what I'm saying? Like I ain't. You imagine you watching you watching him all week. You watching him catching him one handed. You watching him catching getting two feet down. You watching him getting a foot down in the sideline. You know what I'm saying? You watching him all week, and then you get out there and you seeing him, and he doing it to you. There ain't nothing you can do. You know what I'm saying? You all you can all you can do is respect it. All you can do is admire it. You know what I'm saying? And try to you know get on your game. You know what I'm saying? And make a play here or bat it down here. You know what I'm saying? And it was crazy because when I used to go and train in the off season, Larry would always hit me up. He'd be like, Jim, you coming out here? Come on out here. I'm out here in such and such field. You know what I'm saying? He calling me out there because he wanted to go against me. He wanted to compete. You know what I'm saying? He know. You know what I'm saying? And it, it was crazy because at this time, like, I was out the league. But I was out there checking him. And this is when um, DRC, Dominique Rogers, Camardi was playing for the um, Cardinals because my man Ed Green was playing for them. But I always trained out there every offseason. So even though in them seasons I wasn't playing, I was still training. Like I trailed, I trained with Darrell Revis. The year before he won the defensive player of the year for the Jets, I trained with him in that whole offseason going in before the season started. You know what I'm saying? Like I was training with him. You know what I'm saying? He was peeping my technique and we was working out twice a day for like two months. You know what I'm saying? So, and Donovan McNabb was there. Um, uh, what's my man? Um, who went to, uh, Mike Robinson and went to Penn State, which I almost went to Penn State. You know what I'm saying? But Mike Robinson is a Verona boy out of the 804. And we was teammates at the 49ers before he came over to the Seahawks. So, um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I was training with them boys, you know what I'm saying? But, I, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. So, you know, and that's another thing. I'm a, I'm a strong believer in, in karma and doing the right things and stuff like that and stuff happening for a reason. So um, I never stressed it. I never really tripped about it, you know what I'm saying, like that because one, I had the shot, and two, it was never about if I could play. You know what I'm saying? That was the one thing with me. It was never about if I could play. So, you know, a lot of people respected it. A lot of people knew. And so when I used to see people, they always gave me love and showed respect. So, and I had respect for them too. So, you know. You know so, Jimmy, now that. What was, uh, go ahead, Dan. What? Philosophy question for you, football philosophy. Roland Miner was saying that Coach Ward always taught the DBs or the corners to, ne to never look in the backfield. Do you still subscribe to that? I do and I don't. This is the thing. A lot of times DBs, we get beat because we don't, we're not able to locate the ball, you know what I'm saying, once we turn our heads, once we feel like we're in a position to be able to look back for the ball. So by not seeing the ball released or even knowing if the ball has been released, it kind of puts us at a disadvantage. So, um, you know, you just got to sometimes find that healthy uh, respect factor knowing who you're playing against. So with that being said, like Coach Ward used to, his thing used to be nothing cheap, nothing deep. And yeah, he used to always tell us not to be looking in the backfield because 
a lot of times you're looking in the backseat, your feet aren't moving. You know what I'm saying? So if you're not moving, you know what I'm saying? You could be a step behind, you could get behind on the receiver. So um, I would say yes and no. You know what I'm saying? That was the one thing about Coach Ward. A lot of his philosophies and a lot of the things that he would teach us would kind of be more individual than it was as a whole. So, you know, the techniques he might teach me might not apply to Brandon Flowers, who was my backup. You get what I'm saying? We two different body types. So a lot of the stuff that Coach Ward would have me doing, like slide and glide technique, flipping my hips to the sideline, Flowers, he didn't really teach Flowers those techniques. You see what I'm saying? So like, that's the thing about like with coaching too, is like, you got to put your players in the best position based upon what you know they're capable of doing, but more importantly, what they excel at doing, what they do well at doing. Flowers was more of a sit off, you know, read three-step, break on the ball. He had quick feet, so back paddling and stuff like that, that was more of him, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's the one thing about with coaching, you know, you can – tell great coaches from not so good coaches you know like you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers they're known for having great right receivers so that's coaching because one to be able to scout and and draft or get a good receiver in free agency or whatever and then to be able to take them and then they all flourish like the receivers always flourish in Pittsburgh I mean you just go through the list of you know, the receivers that they didn't have, they didn't have great receivers. So, you know, that's, that's coaching. You know what I'm saying? That's, that, that has to do with that coach and what he teaches and how he, you know, methodically takes, you know, he goes from Antonio Brown to just having Mike Wallace before you get what I'm saying. Like when you taking certain body types and then, you know, you honing and getting them to understand what they're getting in and out of breaks and stuff like that. Like, that's what fans and people have no idea. They have no idea of the work and the, you know, the film study and the going out on the practice field, you know, when nobody else is out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, people have no idea. They just see the games on Sunday or Saturday and think, and just, we just walked out of bed and we just did it. Like, nah, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, it's a whole process to get to that product on Sunday and Saturday. And shoot, it's a lot that goes into it. It's a lot. So Jimmy, what are you up to these days after football? Oh man, so I'm an electrician. So I'm an 06, I do okay. low voltage. So I'm just hooking up your telephones, you know what I'm saying? Your, I do fiber and stuff like that. So all your closets for your um, internet, uh, phones. Um, I do security, cameras. I do speakers. So any, all the wires and stuff that you see in buildings and stuff for cameras and phones and ATMs and door locking mechanisms, all that. So, you know, I'd be in casinos, I'd be in banks, I'd be in elementary schools, I'd be in hospitals, I'd be everywhere. Lumber mills, I'd be everywhere. You name it, 
It's wires going up. People got data. I'm doing it all. So it's cool. It's a cool gig because um, one, like I said, I'll be everywhere. But two, it's a skill set. It's a trade. And so I just wanted to learn some type of trade while my kids are still young right now. They all ain't in school yet. So I'm just spending as much time with them, them getting to know me before I take off into my next, um, you know, to my next phase, which would be, um, I'm looking into getting into coaching and training, but Let's I kind of really, I kind of only want the ones that's, that's trying to be lifers with these, you know, the ones that's trying to be remembered, you know, cats that's trying to get yellow jackets or get their jerseys hung up in the rafters, you know what I'm saying? I want them type of kids, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, so we can have some first round draft picks, you know what I'm saying? So we can have some, uh, I want some legends. I want to help create some legends and um, not just help them, but help their families to learn how to be able to be there to support them, you know, whether it be financially, personally, emotionally, all that, because, you know, you got to have a team. You know, the Peyton Manners, the Eli Manners, they got teams. You know what I'm saying? They got people that's, that know their job, know what they're supposed to be doing for them. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, they, they, they stick to the process. They stick to the details and do what needs to be done. And that's the problem. You know, a lot of athletes don't have the right teams, don't have the right people, you know, helping them make the right decisions. You know, like that's another thing now for athletes. It's like, it's okay to take the bag. You know what I'm saying? I ain't never going to tell no athlete not to take the bag. It's the difference between taking the bag in Tampa and taking the bag in New York, okay? The difference between going and playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars and playing for the, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Miami Dolphins. It's a difference. You know what I'm saying? If you're a free agent, California would be looking nice. It'd be looking lovely until you start getting your taxes and, you know, you start looking at the, you know, the checks and seeing how much they're paying in taxes and all that. And I just think a lot of agents, they're steering the athletes based upon the next athlete. You know, that's how agents look at the game. They looking at it like, I need to get this big deal for this client so I can get the next client. See me, I'm worried about the player. I'm worried about with your family. I'm worried about if this is the last contract, you get what I'm saying? And I just think athletes need to be thinking about that now. They need to be thinking about longevity. You know, tell Le'Veon Bell that, huh? He sat out. He could have came back that last year in Pittsburgh, got all that $14 million, right? Played the last nine games of the season, got the 14 from Pittsburgh, still hit free agency. If I would have been him, he could have went to the he could have went to the Raiders. They would have never drafted Brandon Jacobs. So yeah, he might have had to take a little bit less a year. But now look at it. He's still playing instead of being out the league. He out the league. Just three, three or four years ago, he was the best running back in the game. Thanks. He went to the, he went to the Jets because he took the bag. And now he out the league. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, when he could have went to Kansas City, think about it. Instead of making 13 in New York, he could have went to Kansas City, made eight or nine, still seen about seven instead of going to New York, 
trying to make 13, hoping you get six. You see what I'm saying? Like, come on, bro. Like, you know, but that's the agent though. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's the agent telling him. He listened to the agent and he missed out on $14 million and now he ain't been playing. And it's like, why that agent now? He done moved on. He got him probably another two different running backs by now. You see what I'm saying? Because he could say, oh, I got Le'Veon Bell. I got him the best deal he got. He had the best free agency deal. Yeah, that was four years ago. What was your relationship like with Frank at Virginia Tech? And what's it like now? I wouldn't say it was bad, and I wouldn't say it was great. I would just say, you know, we got memories and moments. You understand what I'm saying? So the ACC championship is always going to be a moment. Um, him coming to my house and offering me a full scholarship, that's going to always be a moment. You know, him wanting me to come back for my senior year, that'll always be a moment. As far as our relationship, I haven't had a really relationship with Frank. Y'all know me. I'm going to just keep it 100. Hey, I haven't really talked to him since I left in 05, 06. But, you know, I'm so grateful to that man because, you know, he came and offered me something that, you know, you know, it wouldn't be no J-Dub. It wouldn't be no Jimmy Wims. It wouldn't be no All-American or any of that without this man offering me the scholarship. So, you know, I always got much respect for Coach B, much love. You know, it's cool when you see, you know, when I see South Carolina and I see his son coaching, you know what I'm saying? Because I remember when Shane came back when I was there and I remember when Shane got his first job down in Alabama. And so, um, you know, a lot of respect. You know what I'm saying for Coach Beamer. And um he took a chance on me, man. You know what I'm saying? He gave me an opportunity, like I said, and you know, I can't, I can't, I can't do nothing but respect and got a lot of love for him. And so I always tell him thank you. I gave him a shout out on the wipes thing. So um it's just much love for Coach B. But I haven't really talked to him, you know what I'm saying, in a long time. And that's more me. That's not his fault. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. You know what I'm saying? That's just how I move. Um, I be real low key. I don't really be doing that, and you know, so I never really. I, when I played, that was my showtime. You know, so I wanted y'all to remember me when I played in them games, and when you sat down and you watched Tech, I wanted you to remember me then. That's it. You know, what I'm saying? other than that, you know, what I'm saying I just wanted to stay out the way, and um, I think Coach B, you know. He his career, you know, what I'm saying is legendary, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. I'm glad that, you know, when they gave me a scholarship, it opened the doors for the Tyrod Taylors and the Chris Ellis's and the DJ Parkers to be able to come. Because at the time, it wasn't really a whole lot of Hampton boys going to Tech. You know, what I'm saying we was all going to UVA. Hampton and Newport News was pretty much kind of going to UVA. There's a lot of across the water boys that was going to Virginia Tech. So I feel like when I first went to Tech, it opened the door for a lot of boys in the city of Hampton to start thinking about considering Virginia Tech, you know what I'm saying, and going there. And so um, shouts out to Myron Newsom, who went to Hampton High School, who played for Coach Foster and went to Virginia Tech. He's a Hampton boy that went up there. 
But um, it wasn't really that many of us, like I said, when I took off and went. So um, when you were back in Blacksburg recently, <clears throat> you met you met Coach Pry, right? You meet the yep. new Coach Cheetah. What was that like? Yep. Oh, it's kind of surreal, you know what I'm saying? Because everything looks different now. Everything is, you know what I'm saying, so different. You got offices and stuff inside the stadium. Um, it just looks different, you know what I'm saying? I see a lot of players. Like, I didn't know um, the safety for Baltimore. I didn't know he played at Tech. So, um, but that just tell you how far I've been out the game. Like, like um, people was asking me if I had been watching Tech and following them, and I was just telling them, like, nah, you know what I'm saying? Just because, you know, like, I'm out here on the West Coast now, so it's like, Pullman, it's like Washington State, everything. I'm in like Cougar Land right here. <laughs> so it's like Washington State. And then it's like uh Eastern Washington, the red field. So like that's what they pumping out here. So um by the time Virginia Tech be playing most of the time, I'll be like just waking up. <laughs> but um I think the energy is cool and to see um Prelude and JC Price and uh a DB. You know, them guys on the coaching staff, um, I think that's going to help them out a lot. Um, this right here probably just going to be a down year. I think next year going to be the year for them. I think he'll be able to implement what he's trying to do. And I know Coach Beam and Coach Foster, I know they still got their fingerprints, you know what I'm saying, up there in Blacksburg. So um, I think Coach Pryor is definitely going to tap into it. And um, I think he'll be able to write the ship, you know what I'm saying, nothing to – no disrespect to the coaches before and nothing like that, but you know, sometimes you know, you people come in nah, and they all disrespect. In, they don't tap in, they don't really <laughs> tap into they don't really tap into the family as far as people that came before. And um that was the one thing I told Coach Pryor was like, you know, because I'm like two classes away from graduating. So I was supposed to graduate in the spring, but um, I'm on schedule to graduate, so I got like two classes I'm about to take this winter, and I'll be done. So, um, what's your degree? You know, Jimmy? Uh, just a consumer studies. Because, like, when when I went to school, shouts out to um, Irene Leach, my advisor. You know, so she helped me come up with a degree where basically I could be an entrepreneur. So, like, I was a low business major, but now I'm like a human science liberal arts major. So um, they switched my degree over to a couple of different departments. So I've been taking a bunch of requisition classes lately, you know, to finish it up. So I only got two left. And so we'll see what happens with, you know, saying once I graduate, we'll see what happens. But that's the that's the goal to get into coaching. And, um, you know, I want to, you know, I want to be the next, um, you know, I want to be the I want to be the next buddy, Ryan. You know what I'm saying? I want to come up with a defensive scheme to compact some of these offenses and, um, you know, start putting defense back on the map. Are you planning on coming to Blacksburg to walk when you graduate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to come back. Miss Leach won't – Miss Leach and um, Sarah Armstrong, they'll be highly upset with me if I don't come back to walk. I got to come back to walk, so. Um, Let me know when that is because I'm coming to watch you walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Everything go right, you know what I'm saying? It'll be this spring, so, you know what I'm saying? That's the plan right now. Well, Jimmy, 
it's been so good catching up with you, man. I'm glad to see that you're doing big things and doing good things for you and your family, man. We couldn't be more proud of you going back and getting your degree. And we're very appreciative of what you've done for Virginia Tech as well. Yeah, man, I just want to appreciate, want to tell you guys, thank you for having me. And to all the Hokie fans out there, you know, since brighter days coming, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get back in the fold. I'm going to get the crowd hyped and everything again like I used to. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know what I'm saying, stand up and just be watching for me. I'm coming. Now you got to grow the hair back out. <laughs> I don't know about the hair. I can put a wig on. Genetics said no, huh? <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, this was Jimmy Williams, All-American. Legend. Virginia Tech. Thanks for coming, man. Have a good Go night. Hope. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.